Welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson, joined by Michael Brunts, Mike Schaefer, still on his honeymoon up in Maine with the Black Bears. And we have a special guest, Gary Sharp from the Gary Sharp Show on 1620. He's nice enough to have me on every Friday and I babble about stuff and he keeps having me back. And so we need to have him on here. And he also, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I feel I feel honored. This is weird to be on the other side of this. Yeah. How's it feel? Awkward. I, I I'm still doing a show without pants, so I'm still good. Okay. That that that's all that we needed to know. But you know what? Um, Nebraska hired an athletic director yesterday, Trev Alberts, and it felt like you were really dialed in among local media members and uh, as this thing was going along with you know, kind of understanding Trev and his background in Omaha. I'll admit something. When he took over as the AD of UNO, I followed him closely for a while there, and I I have sort of been distant from him for a while. Like, I, I mean, I kind of know what's going on at UNO here and there, but I, I think we know the big things with what happened with football and wrestling. But for a lot of us, it's sort of uh, – there's a stopping point to what we know about what he got done there. And so I thought maybe we could dive into that first, just as you kind of think about what he accomplished, because people are saying, okay, why'd they hire this guy? What, what, what did he do at his previous stop? What did, what did you see out of him in his time, which was a long time as uh, the AD at UNO? Yeah, it's an unbelievable thing. He's been there for 12 years. You know, he had to make some hard decisions and that was the hardest to drop two sports. And then once you drop them, transition an athletic department from division two to division one to join your hockey program and all of the finances that go into it, the expectations, joining a league, um, trying to find a brand. He rebranded the athletic department. I think what Trev did in 12 years is pretty impressive for somebody who did not have that background when he got the job. Cause he, he essentially just came from television into athletic administration. And for 12 years, he transformed a campus. And, you know, you go back to wrestling and, and, and football, and, and that's the thing over the last uh, 24 hours that has been brought up. And I think there's two traps. One, that was early on in his tenure that he had to make a tough decision, and he wasn't the only one. There were other people involved. Could it have been handled a lot better in the rollout? Absolutely. But if you look at now where Omaha Athletics is, it was the thing that had to be done to move the program into Division One and be able to keep their head above water. And I saw you can look at Trev learning from mistakes. And he brought that up yesterday. He said, we're going to make mistakes, but then we're going to learn from them. And whether it was a mistake or not, the way that was handled, um, the Trev part two is really impressive. Um, His leadership, his managing of coaches, his raising money, his building facilities, and getting programs to know that the expectation is to do the right thing, do it the right way, and you're going to be victorious. So I think there were a lot of things along the way that, at this moment in his career, it was probably it, the Nebraska job came along at the right time. A couple of years ago when Moose got the job, it wasn't the right time. I think he was interested back before Ike got it, but T.O. was hinted, hey, I, I don't think you're going to be the guy. This appears to be the time for Trev in his last stage of his athletic career. What did you think? What did you think? Sorry, Bruns, I'll ask one more and then get out of the way. What did you think about yesterday's uh performance I always think of it's like when the it's the opening act in front of everybody what what was your takeaway he was fabulous but you know what that's the easy part Trev is like that that that's a that's a big reason you saw yesterday why Trev has raised over a hundred plus million dollars 
and he was going to raise 130 million for the last phase of an athletic facility here in Omaha. He, he's, you know what he, I looked at him and I said, man, he's professional. He's not going to step outside and say something, you know, off the cuff. He's going to be straightforward. He's got a presence. I mean, you guys all know him. He's six foot four. And when you get him in a setting like that, I knew that he would be very good in selling his vision and telling how it's going to work because that's who Trev is. Um, and I think if people haven't heard him speak, like you haven't been at a booster function or something like that, you were probably wowed. I mean, we're not getting the wild, wild west. We're getting a guy who's very professional, knows what he's saying. His words are powerful and he's very calculated. I, I, I think that was a great opening performance for Trev. But again, guys, I think that was the easy part. Now becomes the hard part for him. You mentioned the, or I guess in other avenues, I've heard you mention kind of the, the Omaha business connections. Um, how, how big of a piece is that, especially for Nebraska? I mean, it, it seems like that's a, a community that, that Nebraska seems to have gotten a little bit farther away from. I'm not, I'm not obviously the recruiting yeah. stuff, you know, being what it is, but um how does how does he help kind of bridge back to to the Omaha community? Because it, it seems like the university has kind of gotten a little bit farther away in in recent years. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mike. Um, you know, there the thing there's two things that stand out that I think that put Trev ahead of others. One is his relationship with Ted Carter. Um, so they've known each other for a little bit. So Ted has gotten to see what Trev does in his role as Omaha athletic director. And then Nebraska just doesn't have a presence here in Omaha. Um, whether it beats recruiting in some sports, but they don't really have like the boosters and it's been tough. And this is going on about five, seven years where they've had trouble coming into Omaha and raising money from new people. You know, this is the largest city in the state. It's got a ton of alumni. It's got a huge passion for Nebraska athletics but they haven't been able to find a way to get new boosters and get money out of here. What does Trev do? Trev knows everybody in Omaha and Trev has raised hundreds of millions of dollars and he's got connections. And you know what? The same people that are boosters of Omaha are also boosters of Nebraska. So that helps as well. But I think that was a key component in Nebraska saying, you know what? We still have money to raise for a football facility. Um, how do we do it? Oh, there's a guy that knows Omaha where there's some untapped money in there that we can go in and get. And I think you'll see Trev hit the ground running in terms of being a face of Nebraska athletics in Omaha and also finishing up the fundraising for the football facility. You mentioned kind of the, the two pieces of his time at, at UNO. Um, obviously you have the, you know, the cutting of football wrestling, that that's a big piece of it for a lot of people. I think that, that are kind of, you know, detractors about this hire, but the, the part of kind of transitioning UNO to division one, um, you kind of got a close up look at, at kind of how that process went and the heavy lifting that goes into that. I mean, can you give us a better idea, I guess, of a Trev's role in that and, and B just the, the challenges that come with that move? Because I think that's maybe something that's been, been overlooked a little bit in terms of, uh, his executive experience. I mean, that, that, that seems like a pretty significant um, item to his resume that, that maybe we're not talking about enough. That's a huge lift to take a program that is division two to division one, where you're joining a conference, you're in the NCAA, the money goes up, the scholarships go up, the expectations go up, the different kind of coaches you have in those sports. So these are all tough decisions, but I think Trev 
Trev along the way has made tough decisions, but he's also done a really good job of managing people. Um, you heard he was, you know, leadership was a big thing, trust. I, I think those things to lift a, an athletic department that high and to do it in a rapid fashion, I think you can't do it without somebody like Trev who had a vision, also was very, very patient in getting there because he could have said, man, we want to be winning in the Summit League in our first couple of years. But he knew it was going to be difficult because they, this was a huge transition. You had new coaches. You had to go and recruit different athletes, different areas that you were going to recruit. Um, and he has led that charge. And you know what? Now it's kind of you're, you're, you're about a decade into it. It's very comfortable to be Division One at Omaha. But you couldn't have done that without Trev taking the reins and running with it. And that's a, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a huge part of his resume is to lift a program from Division Two to Division One and still be there in the mix to see it through like he has. I like how he answered the NIL question yesterday too, um, the changing landscape of college athletics. And he just had that, that part where he said, you know, there's going to be some athletic directors, about half of them that are going to want to just hang on to the past. They're going to want this to be 1988 all the time. And uh, we're going to be comfortable being uncomfortable, I think, was his quote. And I, I just that was a line that stuck out to me. Uh, I don't know if there was a particular part that jumped to you, but I, I, I thought he handled that part of talking about something that's really an unknown that he's going to face uh, in a pretty, pretty good way. And, and in a, a way that I think will I impress people and make them think, okay, this, this guy is somebody who's embracing the challenge of, I don't know necessarily where college athletics is going, but I'm going to take it on. You know, that phrase is a Tom Osborne phrase. That's mm -hmm. what they preached is um, we want you to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so he repeated a couple of phrases that are like his key ones, unity of purpose. Um, I think first and foremost, he's a student athlete guy because he was one. He was the student and the athlete. So he understands the importance of the role that the student athletes play on your campus, the success of your programs, to get them a degree, to have their experience be top notch because you want them to come back to the program. That's the one thing I've seen at Omaha is there's a wide open door for former athletes across all sports to come back, either to finish their degree or to be part of the program to be a supporter. Um, so his student athlete push is real. It wasn't just, hey, I'm up in front of the crowd yesterday. That's a big thing that he does. He likes to win. He likes to build facilities. And the student athlete experience is uh, paramount. And I think at a place like Nebraska, where he knows what it means to be a student athlete, but also what the landscape is, I think, I think you know, if you look at Moose compared to Trev, Trev probably has a better handle on where athletics is going, whether it be the student athlete or the big picture down the road with the involvement of the NCAA. So I think with assistance from people that are deep into it at a different level compared to Omaha with name, image, likeness, I think he'll be able to hit a home run for the student athletes. And I think he'll take that to another level just, just to use as a, an advantage for Nebraska against other schools they're going to go up against. It sounded like there was a real pitch going on from Ted Carter and Ronnie Green to uh... – make sure Garrett Classy <laughs> is a guy who sticks around too. Yeah. You know what? So, so this is, I know this from Trev. Um, he apologized. So he had a staff meeting yesterday afternoon back in Omaha uh, and he apologized to the staff that they had to find out through a press release. Um, but he literally did finish, finalize the deal Tuesday night 
They signed the contract Wednesday. They were very nervous that it was getting out. So that's why they went from a 9.15 press release to an 11 a.m. conference. Trev was very uncomfortable with that because he didn't get to tell his staff here in Omaha um, what was going to happen. Um, but, you know, he's, he's just – I think I was surprised, and I kept telling myself, why would he take this job? He's got a good thing in Omaha. He's so excited about here. But I think the poll of Nebraska, he loves the place. He understands the place. And his last go as an athletic individual, before he goes off to Clemson, South Carolina, and retires, I think the pull of coming into Nebraska, not to fix it, but to help it, was a, a big tipping point for him to say yes at this point in his life, um, you know, where he's got kids that are out of the house. And he was looking forward to projects here at Omaha. And now he's going to do projects in uh, Lincoln as the athletic director at Nebraska. What do you, you, you mentioned kind of the, the next step. I mean, he, you, you won the press conference. Um, now, you know, on Monday, you have to get to work. Aside from the obvious, um, you know, kind of the grading and looking at the football program, what, what do you see as other things that he needs to, to kind of accomplish in the next, let's say, year? I think he needs to be uh, in what his role is pretty good at Omaha is mentoring coaches. I I think from my understanding and and talking to coaches that actually are coaches inside the athletic department, they kind of got two athletic departments going right now. Um, And the athletic director needs to be the center focus of the athletic department. He's not the end all be all. He's not whatever I say goes, but there has to be some, you know, authority where I go to the athletic director and I trust him and we can talk it through and we can, he'll take care of me. I think that's what Trev needs to do. I think Trev needs to bring the whole athletic department under one roof and, and tell his vision to everybody that is there uh, and then finish the football facility in terms of raising money and what he'll do. And I keep saying this, if you look at coaches at Omaha, even coaches that have had a down year, he's very patient. I think he sits back and he observes. He's not a super hands-on guy but you're going to see him at a lot of events. He's going to get to know people's names. He's first and foremost a fan. So you'll see that at events. He cheers as a fan, even though he's the athletic director. Um, But I think he'll sit back and I think he will listen, not with his mouth, but his ears to figure out, okay, where is Nebraska at? But guys, he did this thing. So when it looked like he was going to be the strong candidate after he interviewed last Friday, he asked a lot of people that were familiar with Nebraska athletics, what do you think has gone wrong? What do you think makes Nebraska athletics so special? And he took a lot of people's advice on what they thought was the good and bad right now of Nebraska athletics. And I think you'll see that over the next uh, six months that he implements those and he kind of understands what has either benefited Nebraska or has ailed Nebraska. But when it comes back to football, I think he's going to be very patient, but I'm curious, and maybe you guys have brought this up as well. Is he going to observe football as the former player understanding everything that goes into it Is he going to observe it as the TV guy, Trev Alberts, or is he going to observe it as an administrator, knowing the importance that football has to be successful so that everybody else benefits from? Yeah, that's a good point. I also liked kind of along those lines. I liked when he said, um, you know, we're not entitled to anything here. Uh, We're going to have to work. And I do think, I think that's a pattern that sometimes has fallen into Nebraska football, not just in the program, but with the fan base. I still hear it. Like when Nebraska will play 
uh, an Illinois or a Purdue type team, for instance, we still act like, well, Nebraska's just supposed to handle business because they're Nebraska. And it, it, you're just, that's that some things are just supposed to happen, even though a lot of recent history tells us that's not necessarily the case. And I, I, I like if someone resets the button a little bit on that and says, we're not, we're not granted anything just because we have that N on the helmet or anything like that. And uh, I, I, the, there's, there's a couple things like that where I thought he, he said some things, uh, maybe they were subtle, but uh, there, was, there was some power to them. Don't you think also, BC, he said some things that he took from his conversation with Ronnie Green or whoever else, um, because I think it's important, and I've gotten this impression in the last year, is you don't want to take your fan base for granted. They're so passionate about the product, but you can't just say, hey, they're just going to show up at our stadium. They're going to come support our teams. Um, they're going to donate their money. I thought that was another subtle thing that he said is we won't take you for granted, making the fans a vital part of what they do. I, I think Trev knows what he's getting into. Um, he knows that he's not, it's not going to be the Trev Albert show. It's got to be the Nebraska show where he is part of the lifting of things. But you can see, adding to your point, B.C., He's a very good listener. And I think if you go back and listen to what he said yesterday, I think there's a couple of things in there that he took from conversations with Ronnie Green or Ted Carter about what they saw is the issues at Nebraska that need to be taken, uh, taken care of sooner than later. And it was clear, it felt to me, that uh, there was a lot of talk during the interview process or at least a decent amount about Nebraska needing to grow their relationship in, with the Big Ten needing to have somebody who's a presence in that room. Uh, Ronnie Green went out of his way to say, we're in the Big Ten at the end, and nobody had even asked him about that. And, uh, and then off to the side, I thought, Trev, this was not on stage, but I asked him about sort of that topic, and I thought he gave a, a solid answer. He said, well, you know, the Big Ten needs Nebraska, but Nebraska needs a Big Ten, and it can be an awesome, awesome conference if you're winning in it. And I've been saying that for a long time, look at volleyball. It's a great conference in volleyball, but um, you got to start winning and, and, and then it's fun. Yeah, he is. I just think his presence, I mean, he walks into a room guys, look at yesterday. He got off that elevator and you're like, Whoa. Okay. I noticed that guy. He's not only large, he's six, four, but he is good looking. Um, he's very professional. I think that's going into a setting like that. The one thing I noticed with Trev when it comes to the Summit League is, and he ruffled some feathers in the Summit League because he always wanted the better for Omaha in the Summit League, and he wanted the Summit League to be better. He thought they should have a better TV contract for their sports. So he ruffled some feathers because he was in it for Omaha. He'll go to the Big Ten, and he will, he will take his seat, and I think he will first listen and then let everybody know we're going to do what's best for Nebraska in a relationship with the Big Ten. We're not going to be separate from the Big Ten. We need the Big Ten to help Nebraska out. But you got to understand, I'm here representing Nebraska. But he's not afraid to go there with people at the uh, big boy uh, table. Now, it would help, as we all said, to go to the big boy table in the Big Ten if you've got a good football program, because then people perk up and they listen to you a little bit more. But another thing, he's not he's had some experience where he has dealt with probably people that are already in the Big Ten. So it won't be like, hi, I'm Trev Alberts. I'm Trev Alberts. He knows those people, which I think also helps out not only internally at Nebraska, but I think also when he gets into those Big Ten AD meetings. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, Brunt's uh, nodding his head along 
uh, he he approved of that message. Um, who's your British Open pick? Yeah, give us your British Open pick for the road. You got one? Um, well, I, I could say as we are taping this, uh, Jordan Spieth, uh, but I like Lee okay. Westwood. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't have hated if you would have said Stuart Sink just out of the blue, too. Yeah, no uh, John Rahm or uh, DeChambeau. It's, it's the clubs. The clubs aren't, aren't good for, for England, apparently, Bryson says. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, how long do you think Trev will be at Nebraska or has to be at Nebraska? We, we talked about this when the search was still ongoing. And I think that they needed to find somebody who was there long term. I mean, I, I think you need, you need them there past the five year contract because. Nebraska continually reshuffling the deck and, you know, you, you went with i you, you tried Moose. It, it, you just need some stability in that role. And I, a couple of coaches said that yesterday too, that, you know, look, they felt like there's momentum in the athletic department. I think some of the hires that Bill Moose made um, have kind of pushed things forward. There's buildings going up and, and they just, a couple of them said they needed a steady, consistent hand to kind of get everybody together and, and pulling in the same direction. And I, I, I think you, you need them there longer than five years. I mean, I, I think that's the expectation. Uh, 13 years. What, 50 years old. <laughs> that would be, that would be amazing. I don't, we wouldn't know how to react if an athletic director was at Nebraska for 13 years, we would wonder why is he, why is he sticking around? Why, why are we paying buyouts to this person? Yeah. Yes. Do you not understand the past history? You could be a rich man by leaving. This place can wear you out too. Uh, if, if you if you could survive more than a decade, I I give you some credit because uh, it's a little sewing circle around here sometimes. How about how about John Cook and Gary Pepin? John Cook has been through what five athletic directors. Pepin goes all the way back to Devaney. Yeah. He- yeah. He's getting getting a new track, but yeah, it, Gary Pepin gets <laughs> overlooked on the, uh, the the pantheon of Nebraska he coaches. He's been there forever. Yeah, I, I you know, and, and I think I think one thing that Trev would like is he comes in and he doesn't need to hire any coaches immediately unless that coach leaves on their own. Yeah, don't you think one of the appeals before we get you out of here because I know you have a busy day. I've said all along, one of the things I'd like if I were taking this job is I don't feel like I have to make a big move right away. And I, I think that's the, that, that's the great thing is he's got time and the way you presented it, sort of his makeup as an AD at, at Omaha. Um, I, I don't think this is a make or break year for anybody. I don't. And I, I, I think it's a perfect setup for Trev to have a year and a half or so with all these sports to say, okay, what's good here? What's bad here? And do a real thorough overview before making any big decisions one way or another about anything. Yeah. I don't, I think you're right, BC. I don't think they said, Hey, Trev, we're hiring you and you got to make a move in football. This isn't Bill Moose. I think they hired Trev and they said, be the athletic director at Nebraska and do what's best for Nebraska. Yep. Well, thanks so much for uh, popping on with us. Um, Hope I wish I had good. a better background. Oh, that's all right. I don't think Bruns puts it out there because he's embarrassed in my background, I think. I think that's what that all comes back to because there is none. 
Yeah, we, this is audio only, but you don't don't sell your background short, Gary. You got a you got a picture on the wall, which is more than BC and I can say right now. You got a <laughs> shelf over there. So this like, room is like designed by Target. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I live. Target and Kohl's. <laughs> I have a lot of Kohl's. My, uh, my dresser is, is full of Kohl's clothing. Oh, that, hey, that, that you, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I am, I am outfitted by Kohl's actually today. This nice little polo that I have on. It's, it's yeah, the, the nice. Belk store of Wisconsin. <laughs> well played. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good show today. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and uh, all the Trev insights. That was great. Hey, thanks, guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast. We're coming back. We just talked with uh, Gary Sharp. Uh, good insight there. Uh, Gary's really well connected to uh, Trev's situation, and I think has followed it about as close as anybody. So it was interesting to hear from somebody who um, I, th- I, I don't know if I – not everybody's like me, but I do think there's a lot of people outside of Omaha who haven't followed, you know, like the weekly workings of Trev Alberts as the UNO athlete, athletic director. So there, it's good to see, like, this isn't all about a guy who just a couple big events happened 10 years ago with a couple sports and that's his resume. And so it, it, it's good to get the more uh, full on detailed look at, at what all went down with Trev Alberts at UNO. And I think overall, um, from a distance, I've always thought he did. He, he leaves there with a pretty positive grade, and obviously Ted Carter thought so too. Um, and that, I think, Bruns, I was going to start with that. I think the Ted Carter aspect is one that I didn't think about enough like a couple weeks ago um, because Ted Carter comes in as a university system president uh, about a year and a half ago. And for people who don't understand how that all works, he, you know, he's looking over – uh, not just UNL, but UNO, UNK, UNMC. And so he's getting to know all these figureheads at all of those places. And so he's no, he's getting to know Trev Alberts as UNO AD really well. And um, that relationship, you could tell yesterday at the press conference was very strong. And probably I would have to think made Trev maybe a front runner from the start, even though there were some good candidates in the field. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I th- kind of coming into everything. I mean, I, it's still Ronnie Green's show, I think. Um, but at the same time, I think certainly that relationship and the comfort probably with Ted Carter 
um, from Trev's point of view, probably made that a little bit of a, you know, this, this time is right type of a move for him from UNO. Um, you know, I, I, my sense is, is, is that things are still very much aligned in terms of uh, the administration at, at, in the NU system, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think is important in, in terms of stability and kind of trying to reverse the trend of, of just burning through coaches and, and administrators. But uh, yeah, I, I think that was, was really important. I think, you know, still trying to get a sense of Ted Carter a little bit too. I, I think he, uh, he moves quietly but pretty strong behind the scenes um too and yeah i I agree with you i mean i I think i think that relationship is kind of what allowed trev to maybe move ahead of some other candidates and also from you know trev's point of view allowed him to accept a job that you know is, is a bump up in uh stress workload um more in the underneath the magnifying glass uh, than, than what he had at Omaha, where it seemed like he kind of had that thing moving in the right direction and, and teed up pretty well. Yeah, and you're right to bring up uh, Ronnie's, you know, big Ronnie Green's big say in in this. I, but obviously they were working in it's there's sort of a nice tandem they had at the press conference where they're both up there, and um, that's sort of become the way they've they've done things with these big athletic hires in recent years, where both the chancellor and the university, the Nebraska president, uh, is involved together. So I I just think it, it it was probably useful when you've got what was described to us basically as there was a pool of they said 25 off the bat or so I think they had, and then it quickly uh, moved to okay like there's eight that we really think are above the field here. And uh, we don't know who those eight are necessarily. Um, and then there were, they went through the search committee. And probably the interesting thing there was uh, the heavy involvement of both current and, um, you know, some former Huskers, like the student and athletes. And, you know, even Sue's name got mentioned and Crouch and some of those guys. And Austin Allen, a current Husker, was up there. Um, you, I think you talked to Austin, didn't you? Um, yeah. I, I don't know what what he said, but sort of what what did he see as his role? Did he get into that? Yeah, he was, you know, flipping through the the, the resumes and books on everybody that was being considered for the job. I mean, he, I, I don't, I don't know that it was necessarily his decision um, to make. He's like, we did not offer Jamie Pollard. <laughs> Jamie Pollard was never contacted. Yeah. So. <laughs> But I mean, I, I think it's important that you have that kind of uh, a face on, on the uh, the committee. Uh, what was it? Who else was on it? Sue, Darren Erstad was on it. Yeah. You Peaches James. Peaches James, great softball. Were you on it? I, it seemed like everybody else that, that was a <laughs> yeah, everybody university had a role in this. You had to make the two deep on the football team to, uh, to yeah. have a say. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that matters. Um, but yeah, it, they, they vetted their candidates and, you know, they, they felt like uh, Austin Allen said he felt like Trev made a lot of sense. And, and to him specifically, he said he felt that because he was a, a former athlete himself, that that meant a lot to him because he understood um, the, the, the experience and the, the process of playing at a place like Nebraska. Um, you know, Bill Moose obviously played at Washington State, but 
uh, many, many moons ago. Um, and and I, I think that, uh, you know, one of my takeaways from Austin was that he really liked that, that Trev seemed to, to understand maybe, maybe what students are facing more so than some of the other candidates. I wonder if we're going to see Trev, uh, he's technically starts Monday. Um, so he could be out uh, in theory at the uh, Big Ten media days. I wonder if he'll make an appearance there and do some glad handing with the uh, fellow Big Ten ADs and leaders. I would guess so. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to have Kevin Warren there for a, a grilling session on, on Thursday uh, with media. So I, I think it makes sense for Trev to be there um, and to, to kind of get out. And I don't know. I mean, I, Gary's point, I think, is an important one. And you mentioned this, too, that, you know, Nebraska, obviously, when if, they, if and when they start winning football games, the, they're going to be able to throw their weight around a little bit more um, than, than what they have been able to, to this point. However, as we've discussed, I mean, it seems like a lot of, a lot of what Nebraska has tried to advocate for over the last, you know, five, six, seven years has kind of fallen on deaf ears within the conference. And Mm -hmm. how, how do you get the elbows out a little bit more and start throwing your weight around, I think is, is going to be an important thing for Trev to navigate and especially doing that without you, you with, with the football program that's still trying to find its footing. Yeah. And I think it's important to nobody in the administration is thinking this. So I think fans and media need to kind of get past this too. Every few months or something it feels like there's something that comes up where we get this discussion about like going to the big 12 you know like nebraska going back to the big 12 or something like that it just always floats out there whenever nebraska is mad about something or that and it that needs to be put away i think and unless there's some serious ever some serious groundwork beneath something like that let's just kind of move on from that because it's not doing uh it's not doing any service because it's just not happening. I mean, that's my point. It's like, you could want that. I don't care. I don't care what your opinion is on it. If you will think Nebraska, it'd be more fun in the big 12 or the PAC 12, whatever you may think good for you. I'm just saying it's not happening. And Nebraska needs to embrace. How do we get our voice heard in this conference that we're going to be in probably for a long time and win here. And, uh, What's the best way to get maybe get back at some folks that have been rough on you Win, <laughs> you know, like the worst thing you can do is tuck tail and run. And uh, so I like that that was just sort of nipped in the bud with a new takeover at AD yesterday. It's like, no, we're in the big 10. We got to win. We got to work. We're not entitled to anything. Let's go. And that, I, that was my favorite message of the whole thing. I did appreciate Ronnie green though, just reemphasizing that Nebraska's, you know, is, is very comfortable in the Big Ten and is not going to be uh, bringing the old Big Eight back from the ashes. Um, that, that, that was <laughs> an, an, an interesting non sequitur, but something that he had obviously talked about with somebody on a list of bullet points prior to that speech happening. Yeah, it was definitely, and I will say, they. Th- this is nobody's fault. The questions ended pretty quickly with at the end with uh, – Ronnie and Ted Carter and I was I did want to actually ask about that because I asked Trev about in the back so I'm kind of glad that he he went back and 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 hit on it but you're right if you paid attention to the speech yesterday 
you really got the bullet points on what like and Gary was talking about this like everything that was probably discussed like in the interview you know like it was was like got to got to strengthen the relationship with the Big Ten okay that's one topic no you don't have to immediately come in and knock a coach off a chair um I mean there was like four or five different things like that where it's like okay this this was this was their main part, the NIL thing, you know, the changing landscape. That was part of it. It's like, I just, in my head a couple of times, I, I like, as they transitioned, I was thinking to myself, and next slide, next slide. <laughs> but what, one thing that I guess we didn't ask Gary about it, that I'm curious on your thoughts. Um, so Trev obviously has the background in media um, as a uh, long time pundit and foil of Mark May on ESPN. Um, He, for a long time, has abstained from pretty much any commentary about the state of things at Nebraska, at UNL. Do you think that that, like, I think that's, it's, I think that's a good thing because right now, the, the only thing that the only comments that I really see floating out there right now is the, what he had to say about Frank Solich being fired um, and his opinion on that. Um, but beyond that, I mean, you, you don't have the, the parsing and the, you know, getting out the, the, the tweezers and kind of doing the operation type um, dissection of everything he said about Nebraska football in the last 15 years. Do you, do you think that that's a good thing? Like, it, it feels yeah. like a good thing, right? Like, you kind it of is. from a fresh slate here. It definitely is for him because nobody yeah. knows what cards he holds. Nobody really knows what he thinks about um, what's happened the last three years or the last 10 years because he's never opined about it, and he didn't yesterday. You wouldn't expect him to. You'd expect him to just support his coaches and, um, you know, say I'm eager to get to know him and all that, and that's what he did. Uh, but yeah, I, that's probably is to his advantage because it's very easy and he could have done it even though he was the UNOAD is he could have, you know, in 2015 had some big take on, uh, you know, something that happened with Husker football and got interviewed about something. And that would have been completely natural in this state for that to occur. And he was, uh, probably wise to avoid that in the position he was in. Um, and I, I don't know that he did it ultimately thinking, you know, one day I could be Husker athletic director. Maybe he did, you know, maybe cause he's always brought up every time there's been an opening, he at least gets his name mentioned. Um, but it, it, it worked out well for him because I think even though he's part of the Husker family from his playing days and has his name in the stadium, I think he's an interesting hire because he's, he's not directly connected to the, everybody that's over there right now. Like he knows them and all that stuff, but it's not like he, he hired any of these people or, you know, at previous places or anything like that. It, it, he, he should be able to give somewhat of a fresh outlook when he gets inside those walls even though he's a family member, he doesn't, this doesn't have to be a deal where he's tied to a certain coach or something. And I think that's a tough spot to be in if you had made that type of hire. Yeah. And and I'm also interested to see, you know, what, what kind of 
public face he's going to put on as AD. Because if you think about it, I mean, we've had Sean Eichhorst, who was by and large, you know, not out out and about um, with, with media and with fans and, you know, at, at least in a really public way. You had Bill Moose that at times probably said a little too much, quite frankly, um, yeah. about topics um, as AD, and that's fine. I mean, that's his style. But it, it feels like Trev at least has the potential to be the kind of AD where he's accessible, but at the same time, he's not going to kind of speak out of school on topics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So sure. I, I guess it's kind of a middle ground, I guess, between his two predecessors. And, and that's, that's kind of a hard needle to thread sometimes too with people where, you know, I think fans, they want to hear from an AD and they want to, be able to complain about the quality of popcorn at Memorial stadium or, you know, ask questions about Dorothy Lynch and that kind of thing. And at the same time, like, I, th I think you also need an athletic director that's kind of able to, to rise above the fray a little bit, um, you know, with, with the position that they're in. And, and, and that's, that's another piece of it that, you know, we don't really know because I'm, I'm kind of like you, like I, I was, a little bit floored that he's been at UNO for as long as he has been, just because, you know, you, you're aware that he's there, but you, you didn't really hear a ton from him uh, locally on things. Did you give up? Especially Lincoln. Yeah. We're, are you, do you consider yourself a Lincolnite now? Brunts Brunts was in Omaha and like I was as a kid. Yeah. I don't, I, I would, I think my, uh, the kind of, nexus of my solar system has moved west like mm. i don't know like i i think i get omaha still um i like to think i do but at the same time i mean omaha is a very different city from where you and i grew up i mean it, it's changed a ton it's grown a ton um it, it it uh that was kind of my point with gary like it it Omaha is much different now than it was 15 years ago. And it feels like as that change has taken place, that maybe the university and, and the city itself have maybe grown apart a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I think you're right. right. I the two Lincoln guys talking about it, I guess, but I, I, that's my read on it. I, I mean, obviously there's still a huge Husker fan base in Omaha. We have people listening that are big fans in Omaha right now, but um I think even they would say like around them when I was a kid, it was Husker like land. I mean, yeah, you'd get occasional Hawkeyes here and there because you're close to the river and stuff like that. But it, it was, I mean, it was so predominantly red, Nebraska red in Omaha and the Huskers had such a hold on that area. And, you know, UNO's changed in that time. UNO, I think, has built not, not just athletically, but academically a lot of stuff up in the last 20 years. And it's different. We're getting into a different topic, but I, I think kids in Omaha are, have been quicker to go there than they used to be when I was in high school. Omaha, UNO at that point was viewed as more of a, I don't want to say a community college or something like that, but it was viewed as a, a slightly different than UNL. And now it's, uh, I feel completely different about UNO and I think people there do. So UNL is no longer just like the big enchilada to everybody all across the state. It is to places outside of Omaha still, but there, that's why 
it'll be interesting to see what Trev can get done in that, in that city. And um, it's not going to necessarily mean Nebraska is going to start getting every Omaha football recruit, but um, it's a storyline, a storyline to watch. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Anything else we need to hit on with Trev? I don't, I don't think so. Um, it's uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting journey. I, I, I think he's going to be around a while. I don't know if, if, if it'll be more than a decade or anything like that, but if you can go beyond five years right now, that's a good start. Uh, get past that first contract. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't seen that in a while with things. It's been a while. That that's a, uh, that, that's, that's a good, toe in the water is, is can can an administrator at nebraska get past that first contract yeah and uh by the way my british open pick i'm watching a little bit of it right now but i'm gonna say brant snedeker as a weird yeah <laughs> uh, is he doing okay he's like three under so he's not a top the leaderboard so i don't want people to be like well he's winning the guy anyway the person who's ahead on thursday never wins it anyway do they very rarely um that's why that's why i think you'd have to have some stones right now to to pick Stuart sink that's why i think that that's the the pick for me okay i'm gonna go way dark horse we're, we're turning it back to 2009 so put all that if you get nothing from this podcast on trev at least take to put all of your uh retirement money on either Stuart sink or brant snedeker <laughs> yeah thank you later you're welcome yeah you don't have to explain that move to your family. Just do it now and you'll be fine. About that European vacation we were going to take, I listened to these two idiots Clown. on the podcast Clowns. who told me to bet on Stuart Sink and Brent Snedeker. Yeah. They didn't explain who both of those guys are. All right. Should, I, should we get out of here? Yeah, I think we're done. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll have a lot of stuff on the site. Um, there's really no slowdown now. It's uh, we go to Big Ten Media Days next week, so we'll have a ton of stuff on that. Fall camp begins like basically right after Big Ten Media Days, and the next week after that, and then Week Zero game. It's going to get intense, and so you should come to Husker twenty four seven for all the latest. It's a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.